And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. Christmas is my favorite holiday, and I wonder if you can recall when you were just a little child, and maybe you snooped around and you found a wrapped present with your name on it. And sure, the paper was nice, but it was nothing special. But you were starting to feel really curious about what was inside this package. And as you look closely at it, you realized that it may be just what you were really wanting. You really wanted and needed it right in front of you. And the question was, could you wait until Christmas morning or did you have to act on it right away? Now, as we celebrate Christmas, we're going to talk about gifts today. And to help me unwrap those gifts, I'm bringing back my friend Janice to celebrate with us today. Janice, I'm so glad you could be here. Me too, Tony. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm glad to be here. Well, this is a great way to celebrate Christmas. And I know as we're recording this, it's not quite Christmas. In fact, those listening a little bit late may have already celebrated it. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about gifts uh, this year and some Christmas traditions. Were there any Christmas traditions in your family that were special to you? The tradition that's probably most special was going to my dad's parents' house the night before Christmas. So on Christmas Eve, we would spend the evening with that side of the family at Nana and Papa's and my Nana is still around. So she's my only grandparent left and we will do the same on Christmas Eve this year. Christmas Eve celebrations are always fun. I know I remember uh, having to do those and then you'd come home and it would be really late. You know, when my kids were very little, they had a hard time going to bed. So the tradition that I had was to watch the movie it's a wonderful life and we'd be starting the movie about 12 30 one o'clock in the morning watching it and that's a long movie if you've ever seen it and by the time the movie was done i knew the kids were asleep and that was the time that you know we could start uh dealing with what was happening under the tree but then i had to get up at like five six in the morning because we always did a turkey that was before i was um you know, vegetarian and vegan, I have to stuff the turkey and get that in the oven because the family was coming over, you know, to my house uh, in the during the day. But yeah, Christmas Eve traditions are, are great. Is there anything that uh, you plan on continuing in your life as a tradition at Christmas, other than the gift giving, of course, because I think that's what everyone does. That's a good question. Um, another tra- another tradition that my family has is um, our movie is Chevy Chase Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Love my it. dad loves that one. So even after he's gone, I'll probably continue that one. That's great. That's a great movie. It always makes me laugh. There are certain scenes in that. And what I like about that, too, is Julie Louis-Dreyfus, who plays Elaine on Seinfeld, is one of the neighbors. 
next door and she plays a really kind of like an, an angry woman <laughs> it's pretty funny to see her pre-seinfeld other than traditions again we're going to talk about gifts today can you recall any particular gifts that you've received at Christmas time, whether they be material gift or non-material that were really special and meaningful in your life? I think that the most special gift around Christmas time for me has just always been being with family. So even when I moved out to California and my family was in Florida, I would fly home for Christmas um, because it's just not the same without family. I totally agree. Uh, family and sitting around the table. That was always one of the things that I really loved sitting around the table, all the crazy conversations that happen because there's all different ages when you're, when you get your family together. One thing my siblings and I always did is before we would go see our Santa gifts under the tree is, um, oh, and I'm the oldest of five. So all five of us would sit on the stairs and my dad would say a prayer and they would take a stare picture of us kids. And now that we're all adults, we still do the stare picture. Oh, that is great. You know, you'll have to send me a picture of the little, you know, one from maybe when you were young and then a recent one. That would be great. Make a note of that. Sorry, the listeners won't get a chance to see that. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'll do that. Yeah, that, that would be great. One of the things that people struggle with is the whole commercialism of Christmas and how much money that you have to spend on gifts. And one of the things that I've learned over the years are sometimes the most special gifts don't come from a store. They don't come from something monetary. They come from the intention. And if you really intend to bless someone and to show your love to this person, it's not about the money. It's about what goes into picking out that gift. So I posted out there on social media. Uh, we talked about this before we were going to record this and asked people about some of the most special gifts that they've received. And I just like to take a minute to kind of go through a couple of these because I just thought they were wonderful. Now, the first one was not a Christmas gift, but it was a birthday card that my friend received. Now, she and her new husband at the time had both been through really bad divorces. And even though they felt confident that they were meant to be, it was something that had bothered them because of the, the rocky marriages that they've had in the past. Opening up this birthday card and seeing his parents acknowledging their relationship and the love that they shared was something that really meant the world to her. And what did that cost? The price of a card. So that was a beautiful gift. And, you know, another friend gave gifts that really didn't cost anything. She talked about how she would give out a booklet of coupons, good for things like back rubs and special treatments, things like that. And then she also talked about experience vouchers because well she's quite the minimalist a lot of people are like that so things like a home cooked dinner for two uh, theater tickets visiting an escape room something like that those are just amazing things that you can give uh, and they give of yourself and not it's not what you buy it's what you're truly giving yeah that reminds me of 
kids, you know, kids don't have a ton of money to give presents. I think I did a coupon book when I was a child, you know, like a coupon for a hug or um, helping clean up. I mean, (laughs) some of the gifts that kids give, you know, parents keep forever. They do. I I know. And I'm as a parent, I have ornaments on the tree that my kids made when they were small. And they're really, some of them are kind of cheesy. There's pictures of them made into an ornament or just something that where they painted their name on to like a little ball that hangs on the tree. And every year I have to hang those on the tree. There's another gift that came and it wasn't really a Christmas gift. It really has more to do with that overall attitude of giving and being grateful for what you have and sacrificial gifts, because a lot of times, you know, we give of ourselves uh, to those we love. And sometimes that giving is a sacrifice. And in this particular case, my friend, Paul, who's from Liverpool and no, not that Paul, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the big Paul from Liverpool is the one everyone knows from the Beatle days, but uh, it wasn't him. This friend of mine, his father uh, wasn't working at the time, so they didn't have a lot of money. In fact, he even got like free meals at school because he didn't get them at home. And despite being broke, his parents paid for music lessons each week. And now, 30 years later, My friend Paul runs the Liverpool Music School, and he's able to help and teach others the importance of music in their life. You'll never know how much a special gift will do for somebody and then how far that gift will reach others because he's reaching other kids and teaching other people this gift of music based upon the gift that he received through his parents. That's beautiful. Yeah, I just thought doesn't necessarily have to be a present wrapped up underneath a tree. It's uh, it's a gift of, of sharing your love. Uh, there's one other one that I'd like to share because I'd like to get you into this conversation because I know you have a few things that you wanted to share. This is another uh, Christmas tradition, and I just think this is beautiful. Now, my friend asked to remain anonymous on this story. What they used to do is to shop for families who could not afford uh, to buy things at Christmas or were experiencing something, some tragedy in their life or just turmoil, like they had someone in the family sick with cancer, somebody who lost a job, they couldn't afford gifts, or maybe they had a death in the family. And what they would do is they would go out and shop for these families. And the example she gave me was, you know, a woman who just lost her husband, they gave her an angel to watch over her, a nutcracker soldier to protect her, and a bag of Hershey's hugs and kisses to remind her that she's always loved. And there was another family who lost their income due to both parents being suddenly unemployed. And they gave the family something they might want, something they might need, something to wear, and something to read. And they would bring a large box full of food and treats for their dog, always enclosing a Christmas card signed from, and this is the quote from Santa's helpers. And the weekend before Christmas, uh, they would get up at two o'clock in the morning. They parked the car someplace and they'd walk and deliver all of these packages to the home. uh, And they'd try to be really quiet, not to awaken anybody. It's really, if more people would, share of themselves and do this to families in need, 
you could really find that Christmas doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to hurt your budget. Keep it simple. And that's really how it can become your favorite holiday. I just love that. There's so much love and thoughtfulness in that. I would love to start a tradition like that when I have a family of my own. Would that be great? Just giving to people. And I like the fact that they didn't know, you know, who gave them the gift. They would just wake up and find this package and they'd open it up and it'd be full of Christmas presents and just little things. And I'm sure those families uh, tell this story and tell these stories, you know, for generations to come because it was something that really meant something to them. And it's just uh, how we can pay attention to others and how we can give of ourselves. And I think giving is really the most important message of Christmas because the gift of Christmas itself came from the gift of God giving his son to the world. And that's why we celebrate by giving gifts to one another. And if we can give gifts to those in need, you know, one more thing in this, I'm reminded, this story reminded me of the story that Tony Robbins tells when he was first starting out because he was very, very poor growing up and his family received a gift on Thanksgiving, someone knocking on the door and bringing them food. And there's a story that only he can tell uh, about that. And it's, it's pretty interesting. But what happened with him is it made such an impact that he began feeding other people at Thanksgiving. And he went around and even when he was young and before he had made any of his money, he would scrape together a little bit of money and he would go out and he would buy groceries and he would just knock on a door and he wouldn't tell them they came from him. He would just say he was the delivery boy and he would drop off the food and it just makes such an impact. And when you learn to give truly of yourself to other people, that's really when the Christmas magic can happen. Yeah, it's really rewarding to give of ourselves without expecting anything back. A good friend of mine told me the other day that what he's been doing is handwriting letters to people he cares about. And we never see that anymore, really. Um, maybe a thank you card every once in a while, but he said there's something special in expressing his love and gratitude in a handwritten letter. And he's writing in cursive too. <laughs> but he said it just it's so rewarding for him because it really stirs up all that love in him and he's not expecting anything in return. He's not so much talking about himself. It's just about how much he cares about this person and appreciates them in his life. That's beautiful. I love that. You know, you actually just inspired me to ask those listening right now, you know what, even if Christmas is past, write a letter to those of those people in your life that you truly care about, because tomorrow is not promised to anybody. I have heard so many experiences where people lose family members, and especially around the holidays. If we remember to tell those in our life who we love, how much we really care about them, and to write that out in your own handwriting, no matter how sloppy it is, because if you read my handwriting, you'd have a hard time deciphering it. I had a friend of mine that said, what are these hydroglyphics? <laughs> but if we wrote out these letters to these people, you know, even if we just this year maybe pick two or three people that we truly love and care about, and we would just send them a letter. You know, I just wanted to wish you a happy new year, let you know I was thinking about you and let you know about something that maybe they did for you that made an impact or maybe a reason that you care about them or just 
to simply say that, you know what, I really care about you and you really mean a lot to me and having you in my life just makes my life more meaningful. Yeah, that's such a good idea. I wrote that down for myself as well. Well, we'll hold each other accountable because we're coaches. So we know a lot about how to hold people accountable. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, there's two things that I wanted to also talk about. And the first is the importance of giving gifts to ourselves because self-love is so important because it's hard for us to really truly love others unless we truly love ourselves. Showing ourselves that love and giving a gift to ourselves this time of year or any time of year for that matter is just a really amazing thing. Janice, has there been anything in your life that you've been able to give to yourself? Yeah, actually. And, and the self-love thing, that's something that I think all of us are just continually working on. Um, but the biggest gift of self-love that I've given myself is the gift of sobriety. Um, so I struggled with chronic binge drinking for years and, you know, I give God a lot of credit for this as well. He patiently waited until I was ready to surrender. And about three and a half years ago, I asked for help and was able to get sober. You know, when we talk about gifts this time of year or any time of year, my mind just goes to connection. And this year, especially I started my own coaching business, as you know, coaching sober women. And that has just been so rewarding for me and has connected me with so many wonderful people, including yourself, you know, just the gift of vulnerability too just being willing to be vulnerable with your story and the way that that connects you with other people. Um, it's allowed me to just, it fills me with love to help other people. And just that connection that I've built through other people in recovery and just the renewed love and strong relationships I've built with my family through sobriety has just been so rewarding. Well, there's so many people that we come across in our life that we really do have these connections with. But again, it's connecting with yourself first, which is given you the power to connect with others and having this connection with your sobriety and not having to rely on substances in your life to control you and to make you happy. Because I do know people out there who they depend on that substance to bring them a little bit of happiness. And when your happiness comes from deep within, that's when you can really feel true happiness and true love to give to other people as well. This family that got up in the middle of the night, I'm sure they felt that love and that happiness and that connection with those people. So when you truly connect with yourself, that's when you open yourself up to truly connect with someone else and give of your heart, which is exactly what that little baby that was born on Christmas morning wants for us. He wants us to give our heart to him and to give our heart to others and to share that gift. Absolutely. And for those who like me have struggled with some sort of addiction, no matter what it is, you know, that connecting with ourselves does require looking at that painful stuff, but it's been said the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. And so it's connecting with self, with source, Um, which for me is God and connecting with others. Absolutely. I love that. When 
we connect with others, it just makes Christmas a special time. And I wanted to also transition into the fact that Christmas is not, it's not all about the material. It's not about the, the actual presence. You know, I started out the podcast talking about these presents under the tree, but we can have Christmas even without a Christmas tree. I mean, it's not as pretty and it's certainly not as traditional. And I love the Christmas tradition of putting up a tree every year and decorating and all that, but it's not all about that. And as we're recording this right now, I just heard a news story about the tree in New York City. And apparently some arsonist actually went in and burned the tree. In fact, I'm going to be going down to New York uh, to see this tree. So I've already been there by the time you're listening to this podcast, but uh, I don't know if they're going to replace it or not, but it just makes me very sad that there are people in the world that that are so bent on, on destruction and there's evil in the world. But it reminded me, and I put out a post on social media about this, it reminded me of the old show, the old cartoon not the movie versions, but the original cartoon. It was like 30 minutes long, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. When the Grinch had gone in and taken everything from everybody, their food, their decorations, their tree, and was about to throw that off the cliff, he listens and he hears all the Who's and Whoville come out and start singing with joy in their hearts about Christmas. And the line is that Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas means a little bit more. And it made me think when I saw this article about this tree, that person who burned the tree down is not going to steal Christmas from anyone's hearts and minds if their hearts are rooted in, lo in the love and joy that the Christmas season is all about. And I am really glad that, uh, that you and I can be here together and share this. We live miles apart, but yet through the magic of technology, we can share our Christmas together. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we close out today? You know, as far as the person who destroyed the tree, the first thing in my mind was he's hurting, you know, and the best thing we can do is spread, spread our love and our joy and just hope that someone who needs that, who doesn't have that in their heart, they can receive it. That's kind of like the Grinch because even though I've said I like the original cartoon in the Jim Carrey version, there's this backstory about the Grinch and you find out that he was also hurting and we don't know what people are going through and what makes people do the things that they do. But if again, we show that love and that joy and we also learn to appreciate every day and to stay in that feeling of gratitude, you know, whether we have no gifts under the tree or a hundred gifts under the tree. It doesn't matter. We're still grateful for the day and we're grateful for the love that we have in our life and for the memories that we're creating each and every day. And we can truly make Christmas the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, I agree. And with gratitude, it's like a lot of us have experienced pain and this year people have lost those that they love. A lot of people I know have been fighting addictions um, and through all the pain, there's still opportunity for gratitude. So that's that duality of life, right? That through the human experience, we can still find joy and still find reasons to be grateful and just trust that no pain lasts forever. That's true. No pain does. Uh, sometimes it takes a little while to heal, but it won't last forever. 
Now, your specialty is working with people, especially women, through their sobriety and helping them to really understand that they can live that life of joy and love and abundance that they were created to live. If there's someone out there who's maybe having difficulty this Christmas, I know we go to a lot of office Christmas parties, and this is the time of year where there's free flow of alcohol, there's spiked eggnog and all these Christmas drinks everywhere. We hear some sometimes not so very nice stories about office Christmas parties. If there's someone out there that's struggling going to these parties, maybe with their sobriety, and they just need somebody to reach out, somebody to talk to, especially with New Year's also. That's another time of year. We used to call that when I was growing up, we called it amateur night. (laughs) But if there's someone struggling this time of year with their sobriety and they need somebody to talk to, uh, how would they reach out to you? They can reach out to me on Instagram. My Instagram is at my empowered recovery. And you can also find me on Facebook with my name and it's Janice, J-A-N-I-S, Godlewski, G-O-D-L-E-W-S-K-I. And what I would say to those people who know that they may have an issue with alcohol or they're already in recovery is... If you choose to go to a holiday party where there's going to be drinking or any kind of environment where there'll be drinking, have a plan. That's the best thing you can do. Have an exit plan, have a sober buddy or someone who will keep you accountable, bring your own non-alcoholic drinks, Uh, be prepared with an explanation. If some people are just curious, you know, some people may pressure pressure you to drink. Others might just be curious of why you're not drinking, but whatever it is that you say, just have that planned. For me, I've chosen to be super open with my sobriety and proud of the decision I've made. Um, But if you're early in recovery or you're just choosing not to drink because you've noticed it's not good for you, say something like, I'm allergic or I prefer not to drink. I have things to do tomorrow and I don't want to be hungover. Whatever works for you, just have a plan and that will ensure success. That's a great idea. I like the fact that you included having a buddy with you or someone to hold you accountable. That's so important because when we have someone that is holding us accountable, then we know we're going to have to report back to that person. When I'm trying to teach people how to stop procrastinating, which is something that I've had a struggle with in my life, you know, having somebody who is accountable is always something that has helped me. So when it comes to um, sobriety and there are ways, I love the fact that you are, you're non-apologetic about your sobriety. You know, you'll, if someone asks, you're not going to pretend, I know there are some people out there that maybe they are a little more uncomfortable with that. But what I find is get a tonic water at the bar. Nobody knows what, what's in it or a little bit of ginger ale. You know, they don't know what you're drinking. A glass of orange juice with a splash of water in it. You know, that'll look like uh, like a screwdriver. So, I mean, there are ways that you can avoid having those conversations if you don't want. But I always say that, you know, be proud of who you are because uh, there's nobody in the world like you. And again, like we talked about today, you all have a gift to give. And sometimes having a conversation about why you've gotten sober will be the gift that you'll give to that person because you never know what people that God's going to put in front of you. 
Absolutely. And you know, whatever decision you're making, if it's a positive lifestyle change, that's something to be proud of. And if you're not comfortable, say it is sobriety and you're not comfortable sharing by all means, you know, share as much as you're comfortable with, but just keep in mind that going against the grain and making decisions for your higher self uh, to be a better person, that's a sign of strength and courage, absolutely not weakness. So just to remind yourself that, you know, this is a decision to be better for yourself, for your future and for your loved ones. That's just amazing. As far as the gifts of sobriety and connection with loved ones, I have had the privilege of seeing several friends reconnect with their loved ones, with their families. Um, Several have gotten their kids back after working really hard to improve their lives after a struggle with addiction. And that is just so amazing. And if you don't mind, I'd love to share a letter from my good friend, Christina, who I have known since um, the early days of my sobriety journey. And she has had some ups and downs uh, through her journey and really has had quite a miracle of a year. So I will read that for you. So these are Christina's words. You gave me the writing prompt and I did what I do best. I've been overthinking it, writing it, deleting it, rewriting it, trying to make it perfect, being too hard on myself because it isn't perfect, procrastinating, thinking about making up a bunch of stuff, planning on robbing a bank. Okay, the last one isn't real. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. That got me to thinking about what the real gift is here. Many times in my life, this minor stressor, this tiny writing assignment about myself, I love talking about myself. This should be so easy. This could send me off the rails. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I have all of the isms that go along with that. I've struggled with everything under the sun, including but not limited to perfectionism, anorexia, bulimia, depression, anxiety, PTSD, whatever. It honestly doesn't matter anymore. I've been to a million treatments that did not help and a select few that helped very much. Whatever the case, I lost custody of my son six years ago when he was five years old. I would work on myself and get him back in my life off and on, but I would ultimately do something to mess it up and have to start all over again. I did that so many times that I ran out of chances, understandably. I was told that I would never see him again, and I had enough people telling me that to really believe it. For me, losing my role as a mother was like taking away my air, so I might as well blow myself up before I suffocate. Seems legit, right? Thus, Continued a devastating spiral I would eventually come out of, but not without a lot of pain for the people around me and myself. Fast forward to last Christmas, I had spent many Christmases alone because of my life choices, but I was finally on the right path. I was sober, I was at a healthy weight, and I was mending relationships with my son and my family, and I had a career helping other women who had similar experiences to mine. What could go wrong? Well, add a narcissist boyfriend into the mix, I couldn't give up everything (laughs) and poof, get pregnant out of nowhere. I still stand firmly that I got pregnant off a toilet seat, but the doctors tell me otherwise. Never trust modern medicine. Anyway, I told my boyfriend I was pregnant and he convinced me to make an appointment to get an abortion. He picked me up on a chilly Florida morning in January and we sat in the clinic for hours waiting to be called. He wouldn't even sit by me. As the hours of waiting went on, I felt something calling me in a different direction. I would say that something is God, and if he thought I was worthy enough to be a mom again, 
I had to put my full trust into him. That protective motherly instinct that was beaten out of me for many years came back miraculously and demanded a refund. I told my boyfriend that I would not do it. And even though he told me he would stick around, I knew that he wouldn't. He didn't. I was left shattered, pregnant, alone, scared, sometimes desperate, but still a mother at my very core. God had chosen me to protect my daughter and I'd do it alone if I had to. The moral of the story here is that the greatest gifts come in the tiniest of packages and that miracles do still happen. Because of the stress of everything I went through during pregnancy alone, COVID included, I had some complications and the baby was not growing enough. Since I had been finally working on myself, my family loved and trusted me enough to come back home to be with them and my son and welcome my new baby girl into this world. She was five weeks premature, but she was the size of a baby born 10 weeks premature because she was unable to get nutrients or enough oxygen from the placenta. We called her our little ass kicker from day one and she hasn't disappointed. She's gone through many medical hurdles and is nothing short of a medical miracle. She's shown me what true resiliency looks like. Beyond that, she's taught me how to trust myself as a mother to both her and my son. My son got his mother back and gained a baby sister. Today, I get to take care of both of my babies and watch my baby boy take care of his little sister. He has shown me what true forgiveness looks like as he's accepted me back without ever making me feel bad about my struggles. He loves me so much more than I think I deserve. Also, I'm getting to know my parents again. They are getting to know me. We actually like each other. <laughs> this little girl united a family that was shredded by addiction, and that is the greatest gift. I am now stronger than I know, and I can handle much more than a writing assignment now. And I have my family alongside me as I navigate this new life. What a beautiful story. So much there and just so much love. And it just shows that love triumphs over all things. And in this case, it brought a family together. Something that was thought to be a difficult situation turned into such a blessing and really that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Yes, I just love her and I love that story. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Christina, for sharing that with us all. It's a beautiful thank, day. Thank you, Christina, for, for sharing that with Janice. And Janice, thank you for sharing that with us today. Last question. Do you have a favorite Christmas food item? Uh, so my family has a joke that our family talent is food, <laughs> is eating food even. <laughs> My nope. favorite food is probably Christmas morning. My dad makes waffles and, you know, I usually go for those cinnamon buns. It's something I probably only have for Christmas. I feel that is bad so for funny. <laughs> I said that is so funny because that's one of my Christmas traditions is in the morning I make cinnamon buns and it's probably the only time I eat them. I know. I kind of feel bad saying that that's my favorite because our Christmas Eve tradition is, um, you know, my dad's dad was Polish. And so we make the Polish pierogies on Christmas Eve. But I really do dig the uh, the cinnamon buns. <laughs> oh, I love those pierogies. Yeah. Yeah. I found a place locally where you can actually get vegan ones, which is really cool. Christmas food, family and faith is pretty much 
uh, sums up the Christmas holiday season. Well, Janice, this has been a pleasure to share your Christmas uh, with us here and with me, and I really enjoyed having you here, and I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas and have a wonderful new year, and I'm sure we'll be talking as we go into 2022. Yes, sir. I am looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me, Tony. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And as we are celebrating the holiday season, getting ready to start a new year, I just want to take this time to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And if you have a goal in 2022 that you'd like to achieve, reach out to me tonywcoaching.com and let's see if we can make 2022 the best year ever.